glad you're here. Today we're going to, in our men's lunch, keep moving through our series that we started a couple weeks ago, looking at five great men uh, of the Bible. We started this process with Abraham, uh, who is called the man of faith. We're going to see why as we move through uh, these weeks. This will be our third week looking at the life uh, of Abraham. Now, if you'll remember when we started, uh, we started by looking first at God's call to Abram. His name is Abram at this point. He is a pagan living in a pagan land, and God calls him. He reveals himself to him. We're not sure how he does that. He reveals himself to him, and he calls him to leave his home, uh, to leave his father, his family, his friends, to, to really leave his future, his career, to leave all of that, and to go, the Bible says, to a land that he would show him. Well, we see in that first week that Abram trusts God. He responds, and he responds really in radical obedience. Uh, honestly, just crazy obedience. Uh, and he does what God says. God says, you know what? Leave these things and go to a land that I'm going to show you. And in crazy radical obedience, he does exactly that. Uh, it's interesting to think that he leaves everything he knows to go someplace that he doesn't know. He doesn't know who's going to be there. He doesn't know what to expect when he gets there. And so he, leave what he, know, what, he leaves what he knows and he goes uh, to a place that he doesn't know. And he does so in tremendous obedience to God. Then uh, right after that, last week we see that this same guy, this same guy that showed tremendous faith, uh, God says do it, he does it. Uh, this same guy blows it. This same guy tremendously, totally messes up. And if that week was all about radical obedience, radical trust, then this week would be all about rad a radical wreck. He is uh, scared for his life. He is uh, consumed with self-preservation. Uh, he tells the Pharaoh when he goes down to Egypt uh, that Sarai is his sister and not his wife. And he lets Pharaoh take Sarai as, as his wife. Really, he kind of gives him to her. And really, it's a pretty huge act of cowardice. Where this one week, man, he was bold and he was obedient. And he does what God says. Uh, just one episode later, uh, he, is, he is marked in a tremendous, tremendous failure. Well, we see in that... That in these great men, uh, these men that do things that we're still talking about thousands of years later, and I think about that, we're still talking about uh, these men, we see that, you know what, they messed up. We see they, they failed, they blew it. And so I think the takeaway from that, several things, but one of them for sure is, you know what, there's hope for us. There's hope for us. We blow it, we fail, we mess up. And today, when we look at those guys, you know what? Tremendous as they were, they messed up. There's hope for us as well. And it's, it's really when you see all of that, um, you see the potential for any person to lead a life that would point great glory to God. You know what? They've gotten too far off track. You know what? They've messed up. You know what? They didn't do some things right. You know what? There's potential for all people to lead a life, to live a life that would point much glory to our God. And really, it's just all about God. That's what we see continually in these men. Well, all of that leads to our lesson today. And I see how it's flowing along. Here's, here's Abram. He makes this tremendous stand. He, he honors God. He does what God says. Uh, the next episode, he fails miserably, messes up. And all of that leads us to our lesson today. Here, here's the question for today. If Abraham is right with God, why is he right with God? 
That's a pretty good question. If, if Abraham is correct in his standing with God, is right with God, why is he right, correct in his standing with God? Is it because he did big things? Man, we're going to read, especially in two weeks, we're going to read some tremendous things that he does, some great act, a great act of obedience. Is it because he did these big things that he's right with God? Is it because he's rich? Is it because he has a great name and people know him? Is it because God chose him to be? And there's some folks that teach that today. There's some folks that say, you know what? God chose him to be right with him. He didn't have any choice but to be right with him. Is it because of these acts of obedience that he somehow impressed God? And God said, you know what? It looks like he's, he's done these tremendous things and somehow God is impressed. If Abraham is right with God, how did he get that way? How is he right with God. And brothers, let me tell you today, we need to listen to this. We need to pay attention to this because I want to be very honest with you. I cannot afford to be out of fellowship with God. I cannot stand to exist as an enemy of God. I'll tell you, I've sinned. I've compromised. How could I ever be right with God? How will I ever be in a right relationship with God? Well, we're going to see in our verses today. We're going to see in our, in our study today. We're in Genesis chapter 15, and we're going to look at the very first six verses. Genesis chapter 15, the first six verses. Now, let me read the verses, and we'll, we'll walk our way through them. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 says this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Verse 15, chapter 15, verse 1 says, after these things. Well, what are, what are those things? Well, uh, one of those things, he's gone in obedience to the promised land. Uh, one of those things, he messed up, he failed in Egypt. One of those things that, that we're not going to read about, he split up with his nephew Lot. Remember that story. Uh, one of those things, he goes and he defeats some evil kings and he actually rescues his nephew Lot. And, and after those things, the word of the Lord came to Abram saying, do not fear, Abram. Relax, Abram. Now think about that for just a second. He's living in a strange land. You know what? He, he sees that God's faithful, but he's not sure what's coming next. He's, he's living in a land where there's enemy camps, enemy kings all around him. He's just been in a battle. He's just been in a tremendous fight. And the word of the Lord is, do not fear, relax, Abram. He says this. Here's, here's what he tells him. I am a shield to you. Here's what God says to Abram. He says, I am a shield to you. It means I will be your protection. I am, in fact, your protection. That's what he says. I will be a shield to you. Abram, I am your protection. And then he says, your reward shall be very great. He tells Abram, you're going to be blessed in fact, he says that he himself is going to be responsible for blessing him. God says he's going to bless him. So God says to Abram, you know what? Relax, rest, do not fear. I'm your protection and I am your blessing. Now, let me, let me set some context here. Abram and Sarai cannot have any kids. And they, they would sure like to. They've tried. They can't, they can't have kids. They can't reproduce. Uh, that is seen as a curse in that day. 
that is a terrible thing in that day. They're not going to have any heirs. He's not going to have any heirs. Uh, his family will die out with him. And there is no future for them because of this one fact. Let me, let me read you verse 2 now. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Abram comes and says to, to God, what, what will you give to me? Now, I want you to see how this is playing out. God says, come along, Abram, Abram rest. Abram, do not fear. I'm your protection. I'm going to be a blessing to you. In fact, you're going to be greatly rewarded. And, and Abram says, what will you give to me? Think about this. He's already blessed. He already has so much stuff he has to split from Lot. There's, there's too much stuff. They've got these camels and these donkeys and the cattle and the goats, and he's already a very wealthy man. And so he says to God, God, how would you bless me? What would you give to me? But then he tips his hand here and says, I do not have an heir. In fact, he says, my, my entire estate will go to one of the servants of my house. I don't have a son I don't have a descendant, and one of the servants of my house is going to inherit all of my stuff. Now, I want you to understand this here in verse 2, and be sure and see this. Abram said, O oh Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? Be sure and understand this. He's not attacking God, and he, he's not mad at God. He's just very honest with God. I want you to notice there it says, O oh Lord God. Oh, Lord, God, what would you give me? I've already got all this stuff, but I do not have an heir. Understand the title he uses, Lord God, translates sovereign God. What he's saying is, God, you rule everything. God, you're in authority over all things. You are my Lord. And that's what he's saying. You are my Lord and you are my God. Lord God, I have no heir. I have no future. This, this land, this stuff mean nothing without an heir. And so we find here Abram is, is hurt. He is deeply concerned. This is a huge issue for him. Now let me read verse 3. And Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. And Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Again, Abram is very upset. This is a huge deal. I don't even have an offspring. A, a, a servant of my house will inherit all of this stuff. Abram is very upset. Verse 4. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. God tells him in verse four, you know what? This servant's not gonna be your heir. This, this guy, that's not gonna be your heir. You're gonna have a son. You're gonna have a descendant and he will be your heir. Now understand, this is a highly improbable thing that he's told him. You know what, Abraham knows he, he can't have kids. He knows he hasn't been able to, to reproduce. And so God says, you know what, this guy's not going to be your heir. You're going to have a son, an improbable thing, and he will be your heir. Verse 5. And he took him outside and said, now look toward the heavens. It must be in the evening time. He takes him outside. Now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. 
Verse 5 is a huge promise. He, he walks him outside, and that's a, that's a huge thing by itself. God walks Abram outside, and he says, Look in the sky. Look at all these stars. Give me a number for the stars. Count the stars if you can count them. And I'm sure they look up, and, and he looks up, and it's astounding. And, and over there, there's a, there's a great multitude of stars. And he says, so shall your descendants be. You know what? You're going to have more descendants than we see stars out here tonight. See this. Get this. I want you to understand this. Abram comes, and he's crushed. Abram comes, and he has a problem he can't fix. You know what? He, he doesn't have an answer. He can't fix this. He, he comes to God. He calls him, Lord God, sovereign God, you're in charge. God, you're going to have to do something. I, I can't do anything here. I'm relying on you. I need your help. I can't do anything about this. Lord God, my hope is in you. Now, I want you to notice this. Does God say to him, go home today and find out that your wife's pregnant? Go home. Go back in the tent, go in, and your wife's going to tell you she's pregnant. Does he say, you know what, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to prove it right now. When you go back in, your wife's going to be with child. Let me fix it right now. I want you to notice what he actually says in these two verses. He actually says this. You're going to have to rest in me. He actually says, you're, you're really going to have to wait on me. He doesn't say, go back in and find out your wife's with child. He tells him, I'm, I'm going to answer and I'm going to do it. You have my promise, but Abram, you're, you're going to have to wait on me. You're going to have to wait to see the fulfillment of this promise. I, I'm going to make you the promise, but it's not going to be when you get in your house tonight. Abram, you're going to have to rest in my promise. You're going to have to trust in my promise. Now, here's his response. It's, it's, a, it's a huge thing, verse 6. Then he believed in the Lord and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then Abram, then he believed in the Lord and he, God, reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then he believed in the Lord. The word, the word believed here means accepted as truth, received as truth. Now he does that. This is a true statement. He receives it as the truth, but I want you to see this. It's a whole lot deeper than that. It's a whole lot more profound than that. Notice it says he believed in the Lord. It doesn't say he believed the Lord. Your descendants are going to be as many as the stars. In fact, they're going to outnumber the stars. He doesn't say, no, I believe you, Lord. He doesn't believe the Lord. He believes in the Lord. Now, what that means is he placed his trust in the Lord. He, the, the, the actual translation is his reliance for the future, and that's a heavy thing for us to think about. His reliance for the future is in the Lord. All of his trust is in the Lord. Abraham, understand in this verse, he trusted fully our God. Here's what he says when he responds. You know what my answer is going to be in the Lord? My answer is going to be in the Lord. My hope if I have any hope at all, my hope is in the Lord. This remedy for this problem, this is, this is not going to be the biggest thing. The remedy for this problem is going to be in the Lord. All of my future is what he's saying. All of my future, all of my reliance is in the Lord. In this one statement, he gives it all to the Lord. He trusts in the Lord. It says, and then he believed in the Lord, 
And he, God, reckoned it to him as righteousness. Now stay with me. This is, these are huge things. Reckoned means counted it. That's what it literally translates. He counted it. He believed in the Lord and he counted that belief as righteousness. It means applied. He took that belief and he applied it to Abram as righteousness. Now righteousness has two meanings. This one, this one means correctness before God. Right with God. Right with the holy God. You've sinned. You're not right with God. But now you're counted as right with God. He trusts in God. He believes in God. And the verse says, you know what? That is applied to him as correctness with God. Let me tell you what just happened. Abram just got saved. Abram, his faith is counted by God as righteousness before God. His faith just made him right with God. Now, I want you, I want you to think about this because it's a big deal. It's not because of his lineage. That's not what made him right with God. It's not because he was just built for it. He had no choice in the matter. That's not what made him right with God. It's not because he's good enough. Oh, he's good enough. He reached a certain level. It's not because he's good enough. It's not because he's better than others. He's better than the pagan kings that he just killed. It's not because of that. It's not because he did religious things. Remember, he built an altar. He worshiped God. He's not right with God because he did religious things. It's not even because he does great things. We're going to see a tremendous thing. It's not because he does great things. He's made right with God by faith alone. Faith alone, he's made right with God. Let me just tell you, and I'm going, to turn, I'm going to turn a flip right here and go a different direction. I want you to see this. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that today sinners such as I, such as y'all, us, we are made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, nothing has changed. We're made right with a holy God, and it's still by faith. I want you to hear the good news. It's not by religious works. There's a whole lot of folks saying, well, I got to get back on the treadmill, and I got to get these things lined out. It is not by religious works. It's not by being good enough. Some of you are thinking, what? I've got to do better. I've got to get better. You're not good enough. I'm not good enough. It's not by the heritage of our fathers. Well, your granddaddy went to church and his granddaddy before him. And I remember your grandmother. That doesn't do anything for us to be righteous before God. It's not by church attendance. It's not by anything but by faith in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you the good news of the gospel is this. You're not good enough. Your lineage is not going to get you there. You have no hope outside of Jesus Christ. We have failed and we're condemned in our sins. But by faith in Jesus Christ, we're made right with a holy God. You see, we need a Savior. You see, when we come and we, and I'm talking about us here today, when you see your sin and you understand, you know what, you messed it up and you sinned and you, and you did the wrong thing when you knew the right thing and when you're condemned in your sin, and I'll just tell you, outside of Christ, you stand condemned in your sin. When you see your sin and you understand your sin has broken your relationship with a God that loves you and created you, and in the same glance, you look over and you see our Savior who came and he never sinned, he didn't sin, who came and took your shame, your garbage, my sin, my garbage, and carried it to the cross of Calvary. And he died and he paid for it there. 
And by faith in him, belief in him, we're saved. Let me tell you this, and this is what I'm starting to see over and over again. The story of these great men, it's not really about the men, is it? The story of these great men, yes, they did some tremendous things, but they did some dumb things as well. The story of these great men is really the story of a great God. He loves, he forgives, he restores, he sends his only begotten son that by faith in him we would be saved. It's really a story of a great, tremendous God. Praise the Lord, praise our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Glad y'all are here today. Let me say this before I pray. If you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ, I want to tell you, these were, just a, these were words. They're, they're God's word. But you know what? Unless they're applied to your heart, they're going to be empty words for you. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you today you know what? To, to see your sin for what it is, to own up to that sin, to profess faith in Jesus Christ as the only hope for sin, and to trust him as your Lord. By faith we're saved, not of any works, lest any man should boast. If you've never settled that, I want to encourage you, settle that today. If you have a question, if you're not sure, you find me after this, you find somebody else, let's settle that today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. During Father, we come today, and I'm thankful for rightness with God, correctness with God, not of any work of men. We're too sorry. But by the work that is finished at Calvary of our Savior, Jesus Christ, a risen Savior. Lord, I'm thankful that how we stand today, compromised in our sin, ruined in our sin, stained in our sin, that there is forgiveness and there's restoration and there's hope and nobody's gone too far away. And it's by faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm thankful for that good news. I pray for some here that may not have received it. Some that may have just heard it, some may that have heard it but, but have beat it down in their hearts. I pray that today in the hearing of the good news, they trust you. They place their faith in you, trusting you for their salvation. Lord, I pray as we leave here today that we would not be the same. I pray we'd be agents of this, this gospel, this good news, and we go into a cruddy world that's, that's fallen apart, that we would tell them the hope that stands in Jesus Christ. Lord, let us be men that would lead in our jobs, lead in our marriages, lead in our homes, lead in our churches, lead a charge that would point to our Savior, Jesus. Bless these men here today. Use them for your glory. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.